Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Have you ever set goals that you didn't hit? Do you sometimes experience lack of motivation or do you procrastinate a lot? Or in other words, are you living the life of your dreams? Or are you simply dreaming the life you want to live? Cliff Ravenscraft is a life transformation expert. In 2008, Cliff left an extremely lucrative career in a family-run insurance agency that he was next in line to take over from his father. Over the next decade, he built an online business very successfully where he became the world's leading authority on podcasting. Cliff is personally responsible for training more than 40,000 people on the successful launch of their podcast. But in 2017, Cliff made a decision to shut down 100% of all income streams from this business so that he could focus all of his work energy on what he felt most passionate about doing in the world. Today, Cliff is experiencing greater fulfillment and profitability than he ever imagined, coaching others as they create the life of their dreams. I have invited Cliff on the show to talk about how anyone can achieve anything they want if only they know what they want. You will hear Cliff share another big change that he committed to making in his life as he deconstructs how he made that happen. Let's dive in. Cliff, welcome to the show. Melanie, I am super delighted to be here. Yeah, I've been looking so much forward to this. So the first time we met was in San Diego, March 2019. And you were, it was a few minutes before you jumped on stage. Uh, you approached me in the audience to ask about my expectations. And you made such a huge impression on me that at such a huge event, you wanted to talk to me. <laughs> so of course I did. <laughs> I was honored. But it's also, I noticed that that's not, a, well, maybe in that event specifically, but it's not common behavior from one who is almost about to go on stage. So I loved how relaxed you were. And I just felt that you were really in, in what, how do you express that? In your own shoes. <laughs> you were just very authentic in your way to go about it. Well, I'd love to share with you just some insights related to that, just to give you what's going on in my head as, a, as it relates to that. Number one, I am incredibly honored that you chose to sit in a chair that happened to be in the session that I was hosting out of all the other workshops you could have attended that day yeah. or at that moment. There were so many different options and you chose me. And so I'm like, hey, you know, let me go and do this. Another thing I want to tell you is that many years ago, I had the strongest desire to become known as a paid keynote public speaker. I, is, it was a dream of mine. In fact, I set it as one of my 12 goals for 2012. The only thing is, is when I set this goal in 2011, I was a lousy speaker. <laughs> and not only that, but leading up to any event, I was as nervous as you could possibly be. So I would be like, I wouldn't sleep the night before I'm on stage. And if my talk was in the afternoon, I'm like, my day is shot. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And there's no way you would have caught me out in public talking to people. And I I took some amazing coaching uh, from some individuals. And then I went to this thing called the sport, score speaker training. And Ken Davis, who was my mentor in public speaking, he says, if you'd like to know why you're nervous, uh, and how to get rid of it, I could tell you, are you interested? And I said, sure. He goes, stop making it all about you. 
That's it. It's really that simple. The thing is, is Cliff, if, if you're this nervous and you can't sleep at night, you're afraid, oh my gosh, what if I mess up? What are these people going to think about me if I say something stupid? What if my zipper is down? Are, you know, the number, are, are they going to notice that I put on an extra seven pounds of weight since the last time they saw me? You know, it just all this other stuff. You're worried about what they're going to think about you and how you're going to impress them and whether or not they're going to buy from you and all this other stuff. And it says, that's not why any event planner ever invites a speaker to talk at an event. It's like, who can I get that will be really impressive? That's not, no, who can I get that has something of value that my audience needs and has the ability to communicate it professionally to my audience? That's all. It's yes. not about you. And, and so, that was a major mindset shift for me. It's like, I, and I know that sounds obvious, right? But I'm uh, just being authentic and transparent. And what happened is I, I stopped making it about me. And I got to the place where I was like, listen, I don't care if anybody in here likes me. I don't care if they, I, I don't care if I, you know, one of my buttons, like if I put, if I, if I buttoned up my shirt and every button is one button hole off, like I'm, I'm sideways. <laughs> I don't care if my zipper's down. I mean, I don't care about any of that. There's only one thing I care about. What is it that I'm promising to deliver in this message? And will they remember this message later in the day? That's it. The goal isn't for them to remember me. The goal is to remember the message. And from that point forward, I became obsessed, not with what people will think about me, uh, but whether or not I will be able to deliver to my audience. And one of the key things to know about that is who's your audience? And so, Melanie, it, you, I, I love the fact this was over two years ago. Yes. <laughs> and you still remember what I asked you. Yes. You, why are you here? What do you hope to get out of this? What is your expectation? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? These are the things I want to know. I have to know this. And so in an event like that, where I'm not the one who sold you a ticket, I don't have this information about you or anybody else in this audience. I have some generalized knowledge, such as we well, are interested in social media marketing because it's the social media marketing conference. <laughs> but here you are in a social media marketing conference, and I'm hosting a workshop on how to achieve any goal or a mindset to achieve any goal. I need to know why you chose this out of all of the other sessions. There's no marketing here. This is goals. This is mindset. Why did you choose this? What are you hoping to get out of it? And that's yeah. what I needed to know. I needed to know that from you and a handful of other people. And and you just seemed approachable and you were there. And so I, I was, number one, I was honored. And number two, I genuinely wanted to know, what if, why are you here? <laughs> well, I cannot thank you enough for really that experience, along with a few others during those days. That's what sparked my interest in making, in focusing and honing in on human connection in marketing. So this is why the, this podcast is named Marketing Made Human. And also I had the privilege of being able to interview you for my book that has the same title. So I've really dived into this since uh, and uh, it's just not that common that we that people make it about the audience and even when they're excellent speakers. So thank you for that, for that inspiration. Well, thank so, you. So, so you mentioned that the, the topic of that talk was how to reach any goal. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think that is it fair to say that most people don't reach their goals? Absolutely, hands down, the most accurate, the, the word most, uh, most people don't reach their goals, but I'll even go one step further. Most people don't set goals. Yeah, same old. All right. So, so for, okay, so it reminds me, I was not a goal setter until 2010, January 2010 is when I became a goal setter. And prior to that, I had 
become one of those guys that says, eh, goals, schmoles, whatever, you know, you get whatever happens in life. And, you know, it's more about luck and just hard work and, and effort and just showing up and being a nice guy. And, and I, you know, good things come to those who put good things into the world kind of stuff. And that's just, that was my philosophy of life. And it's like, who needs to set goals? Setting goals really doesn't work. Now I would have never spoken those words. However, I had spoken something that means exactly the same thing. Think about this, New Year's resolutions. Now, if if I was to go in any audience anywhere and say, complete this statement, this is a phrase that everyone seems to say over and over again, especially at the end of a year, of a, a year or at the very beginning of the new year, finish this phrase, New Year's resolutions, fill in the blank don't work. <laughs> All right. It, 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 matter of fact, um, there's a study that was done and it was done with a sizable audience of people and they followed them in their process of their New Year's resolutions. And they found that, um, what was it? Something like 82%. And I could be making this, it's, it's somewhere in the 80s, but just for the sake of this argument, because I didn't look it up. But 82% of those who set New Year's resolutions have failed to maintain the new behavior by the second week in February. So this is now that is in is a study that was done seems to support the evidence of a conclusion that states New Year's resolutions don't work. Would you say that's a logical leap to a conclusion? Seems logical. Exactly. However, I think exactly the opposite. And I can only say this in hindsight after having figured out the real power of New Year's resolutions and setting goals, regardless of what date is on the calendar. So here's what I I point to the same exact study. So what, uh, Melanie, can you help me out here with live math? And and I'll tell you what, what's what's 100 minus 82? Let's let's do this math here. Uh, Let's. 18. <laughs> All right, 18. All right, thank you. So so check this. I'm I never I never rely on my live math when I'm having real-time conversation. 18. So I point to the same study. There was this study that was do- done on this a very sizable pool of people who have made and they followed them. And while 82% of those people failed to continue the behavior beyond the first 6 weeks, it this study proves that New Year's resolutions absolutely do work because 18% of those who set New Year's resolutions continued a brand new behavior beyond the f- first two weeks of February. And oftentimes that became a life transforming experience for them. Now, my thing is, is I want to find out who those 18% are and what is it that they did that the other 82% did not. See, it, it's all about how you think about things. It's how you look at life. It's, it's how you look at the facts. You know, the facts don't say that New Year's resolutions don't work. It just says that 82% haven't figured out a system to make them work. Yeah. But 18% did, which proves that they work. So <laughs> until. It wasn't until 2010. So in 2009, I had was just wrapping up my second full year of full-time self-employment because I started my own full-time business in January 2008. So at the end of 2009, I'm sitting here getting ready to, you know, wrap up the year. We're creating some content. Me and my friend, Andy Traub, we're doing a podcast at the time called Business Tech Weekly. He says, hey, why don't we, I got an idea for a year-end podcast episode. Why don't we talk about our goals for 2010? And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea, except for the fact that I don't set goals. (laughs) (laughs) But I couldn't think of any better topic at the moment. And so I'm like, maybe I'll set some goals. And so I actually wrote some goals down. And the ironic thing is that every goal that I set for myself that year, I knocked it out of the park. And that became an obsession for me with setting goals and achieving them. Yeah. So so why do you think that those 82% did not reach their goals? What are the common uh, bad goals? Or do they lose interest or bad habits? Or what is it? There are 
a number of reasons. First of all, most people, when they set a goal, they actually don't even know what it is they really want. The, the goal isn't something that they want for themselves. Many times those goals that are being set are things that they, quote unquote, feel like they should want in their life. Uh, it's like, I really need to, to quit smoking. I really should stop overeating. I really should go to the gym. I really should lose some weight. You know, the, the, those average things. And a lot of that stuff isn't what they want to do. It's like, they didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? I think I really do want to stop smoking or I really do want to quit eating sugar. You know what? I really do want to go to the gym and, and hurt my body physically and feel pain. You know, <laughs> nobody wakes up one morning and says that, right, in, a, in out of a pattern and routine. But, you know, there's enough stigma around smoking. There's enough stigma around being obese and overweight and, and all of this. There's enough stigma around these things that they feel like these are things that I should want. And you know what? I Okay. Everybody else around me seems to have their life together. And this is one, these are a few areas of my life. New Year's resolution, I think I'll finally, I'm just going to try this. And so they try something that they feel other people feel they should be doing in their life. And, and it's just not enough motivation. It's not enough leverage, if you will. It's something that I would like to do. It's something that I've heard about. I think it would probably be beneficial. Uh, it kind of be nice, but it's not something that they must do. What I can tell you is, is so, this, so that's number one. The second thing, most people, when they think about, it's like, well, I want to make a million dollars. Well, they think that they want to make a million dollars, but what they want is what they believe having a million dollars will, how it will make them feel. So for example, I ask people all the time when they tell me their dollar goals, I said, well, tell me why, why do you want that? And a lot of people will say things, and, and this comes up in conversation time and time again. Well, if I had fill in the blank number of dollars, then I wouldn't have to worry all of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, huh. So at what point in your life did somebody tell you that you had, that you're forced to, that it's a requirement that you worry until you reach this dollar figure? Who told you this? You know, where are you getting this information from? Because by the way, I want to tell you something. I know many people who make fill in the blank dollars. And guess what? They still They're, worry. They still worry. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is I know people who have that amount of money and they never worry. Mm -hmm. But I also know people who owe that much money to the federal government in back taxes. And they still don't worry. So what happens is they, they begin to make progress towards some of these things. And, and with each successive leap forward financially or whatever it is in their goal, they're getting it and all the, the, they're getting closer and closer, but they don't see their anxiety going down and down. It seems that, matter of fact, that the more successful I become, I actually feel a little bit more anxiety. Now, what if I don't, what if I'm not able to keep this up? What if I lose it all? What if this? And the thing is, is what they didn't, it, what, what they wanted in the first place wasn't a million dollars or whatever the dollar figure is. What they wanted is a life with less worry, less anxiety, less fear, less doubt. And it's like, wow. It, it, so it, it, in essence, that why, why don't you write down instead of saying my goal for 2021 is a million dollars of revenue, why don't you say my goal of 2021 is to experience peace, love, and joy every day of my life regardless of my bank account. Now there's a worthy goal that could get you a little excited. It's like, well, is that even possible? Well, that you, well, you know what? You'll never ask the question of whether or not it's possible unless you set it as a goal. And then it's, it's, it's pretty surprising what is possible when you actually start to investigate. So those are, I could go on, Melanie, about a number of other reasons why people don't achieve their goals. But what I can tell you are why people, the 18%, if that's the number, it might be 12% or 14%. But in, whatever the number, the people who do achieve their goals, I can absolutely hands down tell you why they do. Yeah. Why do they? <laughs> they... First of all, they know what they want. 
They're very clear about it. They, they are very specific. I want to feel this way and to, or I want to experience this experience in my life. So, for example, my goal might be, you know what, I, and I'll give you an example. One of my goals in 2011, I told you, I want, actually, I'm going to share two goals. I wanted to be a paid public speaker and I wanted to be a, I wanted the words keynote speaker next to my name. All right. So there are a couple of things I wanted to, I, I, I know that if I can achieve these two things, it's going to open up all sorts of new doors of opportunities. If I become a paid public speaker, then that allows me to have additional stream of income in my business. I like that. I also like the notoriety and the and the the credibility that comes that you know with saying you know what I have learned how to become a paid public speaker. So whatever my process is, I can document it. I can teach it to others. I and I love to learn new things, new challenges. Figure out how does one go about doing this, and then turn around and teaching and coaching other people in this process. So I'll be able to do that. But the other thing is, is I want to have impact and influence in as many people's lives as possible. And if I'm going to go to an event and I'm going to, I'm going to take time out of my schedule and away from my family, and then I'm going to travel to another place. And we all know that traveling in, you know, commercial in airports and stuff like that and layovers, it's not the most fun thing to do in the world. So if I am going to do all of this stuff, you know, and I'm going to be paid to speak at that event. I have really two options. I could be a paid public speaker, which is great. You know, that's where I am one of 15 other talks that you could choose. And you know what? There's an, I'm, don't get me wrong. I don't diminish that. It's awesome. And I'm honored when I have those opportunities and it's a good fit for what I want to accomplish. But man, there's something special about knowing that I am going to be the very first talk as the keynote speaker. And I, and I was very specific. I don't want to, have you ever seen Melanie where you go to an event and it's like four or five days long yeah. and, and, and every morning they have something called a keynote and yeah. every evening is keynote. That's not keynote. That, <laughs> I mean, okay. Maybe it's the keynote of the day, but I was very specific. No, I want to be the guy who sets the stage, the tone I want to be the first person everybody hears when they come to this event. I want to set the tone for the whole event that's ahead of them. I want to be that guy. Or I want to be the guy that closes this thing up. I want to be able to take all of the energy, all of the excitement, all the passion, all all of the potential of this event. And I want to be the guy that sends you off into the world with the right mindset. I want to be that guy. That's a keynote speaker in my mind. So I got very clear. I know exactly what I want. And not to mention the fact that if I'm that guy in almost every event, as a matter of fact, I can't think of an event that I've ever attended where that guy doesn't have all of the attendees. You know, even uh, multi-day events, five-day events, they have those conferences where they have the keynote in the morning and the keynote. But even then, they sometimes have three or four different keynote speakers in the middle of things. But man, you... In every event I've ever been at, let's just say there's 5,000 attendees. Well, all 5,000 attendees, there's only, if you're going to come to the opening keynote address, there's only one event, one stage, and all 5,000 attendees are there. I want to be that guy speaking to that group. That, yeah. so, so one of the things that people who achieve their goals, they know what they want, all right? Um. I could keep going. So number two, I know why I want it was I shared with you. I want to be able to do this so that I can actually repeat it and teach others. It gives me the ability to communicate to a much larger audience, have more impact, more influence, all of those other things. I want an additional stream of revenue. I want to make the maximum impact out of my investment of this travel experience. Um, So I I just want to know why, you know, if I know why I'm going to do it, it's going to be awesome. The third uh, thing that everyone has in common when they actually achieve their goals is they believe it's possible. It, it, it's like, listen, I know I can do this. I, 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 I don't know how. And it's not essential that you know how you're going to accomplish a goal when you set it. Not initially. All you have to do is believe that it's possible and that you must have it. That, so I, it's like, I know why I want it. I must have this. There is no options. I'm making a decision. I'm going after it. But you have to believe that it's possible. And 
A lot of people who set goals and who fail, one of those additional reasons is they don't believe it's possible. It's like, you know, I've tried, I've tried to lose weight so many times. And you know what? I, I, the only thing I know to do is to make radical changes to my diet, what I'm eating, or radical changes to my physical activity. And everybody says that, you know, if you make any changes to your diet or your physical activity, uh, if, if you make drastic changes, uh, study and study and study, all of them reveal that everybody who does these things, they just gain all of the weight back and then some. So it, it's like, and again, it's like, okay, so sure, go look at those studies and, and tell me, did, does the study say that 100% of people who made a radical change to their diet or one is like, no, you'll find that there's always a percentage of people who succeeded. And so it's like, just don't take the narrative of what every New Year's resolutions don't work. Weight loss don't work. Diets don't work. You, you just they don't believe it's possible. So even though in their mind, they not may not be consciously thinking this, but even in their subconscious mind, it's like, yeah, I'm going to set a New Year's resolution this year and I'm going to go after it. But deep down inside in their subconscious mind, they don't believe these things work. And nobody's really going to be upset with me if I don't carry it out in March because most people don't. And that's okay. Nobody's going to hold it against me. And so they don't believe it's possible. Um, the, you, the other thing is, is that, um, so I know what I want. I know why I want it. I believe it's possible. If I want to achieve any goal, I also need to make a decision. And I shared in social media marketing world, that talk that I gave to you and the other crowd, folks in the crowd, I shared that the wor root word for decide, C-I-D-E in Latin or C-I-D actually in Latin is to kill. It's the same as the root word for pesticide, homicide, uh, but decide is the same. It's basically what you're saying is in this situation, I have decided I am killing any other outcome and putting to death in my mind any other possible future for me. I will be that paid public speaker. I will be the guy who opens up the event or closes the event. Uh, so, uh, yes. That, that's the other thing. You meet, need to make a decision. Should I continue going on? Because I could tell you all the other things that, <laughs> that people who succeed go. I don't want to go too far ahead of where you want to go in the conversation, though. So I, I think that just to um, play back a little what I'm hearing you saying, that, that a goal that is, has some kind of emotion attached to it or some future that I really, really want, uh, being, being very conscious about why you are picking this goal Uh, and, and not another goal is uh, one of the key things. And then I'm thinking, if I am one of the, these people, I believe in my goal, I know why I want it, and then I end up procrastinating. <laughs> so I know that uh, you think that procrastination is something that we should appreciate. Why yeah. is that? Because it's it, it reveals a little bit about ourselves. I find Steve Jobs has this amazing quote that he put into his 2005 Stanford address. And he says this, I, I look in the mirror every morning and I ask myself this question. If today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about ready to do today? And then he said, he paused for a second. And then he says, and if the answer to that question has been no, too many days in a row, then I know something must be changed. What a powerful thing. And in, now, the thing is, is if I think about this in the realm of my to-do list, if I actually go to my to-do list and I look at the things that are on my to-do list and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. And I move it on to tomorrow. And then I move it on to the next day and to the next day. And then it's Friday. It's like, ah, I'll move it to next week. And I do that over and over again. There's something that 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 signals inside of me that says, you know what? I obviously really don't want to do this. And am I, did I consciously put this on my to-do list? Did I make a commitment to this? Is this required of me? And what I have found, Melanie, is there are very few things that I procrastinate procrastinate on that are required of me. Putting my taxes together at the end of the year, 
that one needs to be done. And occasionally I will, unless I want that tax refund, if I know, if there's a big, huge expense coming up, and I know that I want to get that tax refund that I'm certain is coming back to me. And I want to have that cash in hand before tuition payments due or something like that for my daughter. You better believe I'm going to go do those taxes, which, by the way, that's a little hint. What I just talked about there is a, is the motivating force of pain and pleasure, a.k.a. leverage. We can come back and talk about that in just a moment. Yes. But but the but the putting it off is something that if I don't, this year, I had a, we had a massive amount of income in our margin, in our checking account, in our personal savings account, and a massive amount of margin sitting extra in my business account. We had a really good year in 2020. So, so when it came time to do my taxes, which I normally would do usually right around the third week of January, I literally waited until the Monday before April 15th or whatever that deadline is. And I, but, but the thing is, is it was on my to-do list every week since the third week in January. I just kept pushing it, pushing it and pushing it. Why? Because I really don't like it. It's not something I enjoy. I don't want it. Uh, and, and I don't need the money from the return. So I am going to put that off every last minute. Now, the thing is, is at some point, I'm going to have to do that because that is required of me, all right? But how about the number of things that are in my business? It's like, oh, man, I know I really should put together that email, that next episode of my email newsletter or, hey, I know I really should put together that sales page for this course that I said that I was going to launch and stuff like that. But what happens for me is when I actually see myself putting those things off, and then I asked myself, well, gosh, if I was sick and I realized that, you know, I'm going to have to go into the hospital for the next three weeks, is this something that would be required of me? No. Okay. So basically at some point I made the commitment to add this to my, this obligation. Now, this isn't something that's a desire, but it's an obligation for me. And, and it feels like an obligation. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And so the question is, is why is it a, why is it still on my list? Oh, Cliff, because it brings you money and it's such low hanging fruit. Yeah, I know, but I'm bored to tears of it. And so what it what procrastination does for me is it's the same question Steve Jobs posed. When I look at my to-do list, I ask myself if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what's on my to-do list today? Or if this were the last year of my life, would I want to accomplish the po- projects and the two tasks related to that stuff that's on my to-do list today? And when the answer to that question is no, too many days or weeks in a row, I'm like, it's time to change my life. It's time to shut some st- things down and find myself something new and exciting that's going to stretch me. It's going to help me grow, help me expand how I can serve people. And I am going to eliminate that crap off my list. So that's yes. why I love procrastination. Yeah. And if, if I you, didn't procrastinate, I'd just so, keep doing it all and I'd be bored. So you're saying that even if we think that we uh, set up a goal for ourselves, something that we really wanted, this is also a very strong signal when you feel that way, that it's not, it doesn't seem essential. And so I can postpone it. I can uh, keep procrastinating. Then I should revisit that goal and, and, uh, and check in with myself. Do I really want this or not? <laughs> yeah, and you and you know what? You may find out. You may find out, do I really want this? And then all of a sudden, we can get back to leverage in just a moment. But here, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with somebody recently on Clubhouse. He was like, Cliff, I keep procrastinating, procrastinating. I said, give me an example. He goes, okay, so I proposed this one marketing project for a client. And I gave myself a month to do it. And I found myself putting it off until the last three days. And he's like, okay, so you basically, and he goes, and he goes, and I guess I should have started on it right away, you know? It, it, and I'm like, well, let me ask you this. Did you complete the project on time? Yes. Are you satisfied with the result of the project? Yeah. I said on a scale of nine to, or one out of 10, how satisfied are you with the results that you provided for your customer? And I think he said somewhere between eight, nine, or 10 which is about appropriate because even if you would have worked the entire four weeks or on it, everybody's going to have an eight, nine, or 10 if you're satisfied with what you're doing, depending on whether or not you think anything's ever perfect. So I'm like, I don't understand the problem. He goes, the problem is, is that I put it off into the last three days. I'm like, I don't see a problem with that. 
I, you, you made a promise to your client that one month from now you will get this delivered to you. Yes? Yes. You delivered it to them. Yes? Yes. And they are happy with the results. Yes? Yes. What's the problem? Well, I, it's like, the, so the thing is, it's like, we call this procrastination. Like, listen, I, what I can tell you is for the three and a half weeks leading up to when you finally started that project, you found things that are more exciting for you to do, things that were higher priority. I don't call that procrastination. I call that intentional living. You intentionally chose to do higher priority items. You still, you knew how much time it would take to do that project and you do it. If this is a real issue for you, why don't you just, the next time you propose the same project to a different client, instead of saying, I'll get this to you in a month, say, I'll get this to you by the end of the week. Done. You won't procrastinate on that. You'll, you'll get it done. It makes give yourself, think, it, give yourself it, three days instead of a month the next time. Yeah. It makes me think that we, we like to think when we make plans and sometimes we just need to to feel a little bit more of a look inwards instead of outwards for, for, for possible goals. Yeah. And what I love to do is do energy audits all of the time. Mm -hmm. An energy audit is simply this. What are the tasks that I do that when I do them, I, it, it gives me energy or what are the tasks that I do that when I do them, It drains my energy. And I like, to, I like to load up my day filled with tasks that I have more energy after doing the task than when I started. And all of those tasks that I have less energy after putting time, effort, and energy into it, I like to delegate those to other people or just say no to them altogether. Get them off my, get them off of my uh, anything related to anything that I would ever be a part of anyway. Which is, yes. it seems to be my default, but it's sometimes delegation is probably the better rule. I quite often hear that people are saying that I'm procrastinating and it's because I, I lack motivation. To Nobody lacks motivation. <laughs> Nobody. There, you have never met a person on this planet that lacks motivation. We are all motivated. We have this gift called motivation. So now I, I told you we would come back to this and we are ready. Are you ready for this, Melanie? Yes. yes. <laughs> all right. I want the greatest motivating force in all, pers in all human personality and behavior. It is the motivating forces of pain and pleasure. Now, let me just put it this way. If all of a sudden I'm the type of person who has lived a sedentary lifestyle, I, I think you know a little bit about my past. Like a couple of years ago, I weighed nearly or 300 pounds and I weigh, I mean, I was just absolutely unhealthy and I had lived most of my adult life sedentary and it's just not taking care of myself physically uh, and, and of course not eating well as well. But let's just stay on the physical activity side of things. So. Uh, there were a number of times, oh, I really should work out. I really should. And there were a couple of times where, you know, I, went, I, I think I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. Right. And next thing you know, I just, I just oh, I, okay, I'm not going to go today. I'm not going to go this morning. I'm going to go this afternoon. I, I'd rather snooze the alarm five more times until I have to get out of bed and then get ready to do that first thing that's on my scheduled thing. Actually, the second thing, because the first thing, which was the workout, I'm now putting off into the afternoon. There's plenty of time this afternoon. Well, the afternoon comes around and I'm like, man, I'm kind of hungry right now. Ah, oh, but I said I'd work out because I didn't work out this morning. I'll work out this evening. You know, and it's like, ah, oh, Stephanie's like, hey, do you want to watch the latest episode of this TV show that we've been watching? And I'm like... I did say that I'd work out this evening. Yeah, I'd much rather hang out and watch this TV show. And then after the TV show, you want to watch another episode? Yeah, let's do it. And then it's like, <laughs> ah, okay, now it's time to go work out. Oh, man, I'm really tired. I should probably, you know what? I really do. I, I, I believe that if, if I'm, why would I want to work out? It's for my health, right? It's, it's for my physical fitness. And physical fitness also has a lot to do with sleeping. And so I want to make sure that I don't, so you know what? I'm just not going to work out today. This I don't know if this sounds familiar, right? <laughs> too, But, familiar, too familiar, too <laughs> familiar. So, 
why is that? Is because I'm not motivated to work out? No, it's not because I'm not mot- it's not because I'm not motivated. It's because my motivation is to avoid pain and seek pleasure. That's it. So, what happened in the morning? I'm laying in bed and I and I'm like, "Oh, my pillow." It this this thing is comfortable. I don't know if you've ever had a love affair with your pillow. But man, my head on my pillow just feels good. And you know what? The ceiling fan's on, so it's a little chilled. The air is a little chilled. And I got my blanket on. And under this blanket, my body heat's keeping me warm. I have so much pleasure laying in this bed. And the thought of getting out of my bed, out of this, out from under this covers, it's cold out there. That's pain. That's discomfort. And, and to think that I'm going, oh, and then I've got to go and I've got to uh, get my gym clothes and I've got to put all that stuff on. And then I'm going to drive all the way to the gym and people are probably going to look at me funny because I'm the only fat guy in the gym and, you know, and I'm going to work out and I mean, you know what, it's going to be painful. You know, this is like, ah, oh, man, it's, and then I got to come all the way home and then I got to take a shower and then I put on my clothes. It's like, man, it's just, you know what? I, I could avoid all of that pain and keep all of the pleasure if I just stay right here in bed and hit that snooze button. I'm motivated. I'm just motivated to avoid the pain of the gym and to seek the pleasure of the re- staying in, in my bed, right? Yeah. So I'm motivated. I've always been motivated by pain and pleasure. So one of the things that I learned, and this was a technique I learned from Tony Robbins, it's called neuroassociations. So for me, going through the going to the gym, getting out of bed, that's the first thing. It's like, oh man, it's 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 less comfortable than laying in bed. And and going to the gym is a hassle because of all the things I have to do and the drive there and and the way people might look at me. And the gosh, not to mention the fact that I have to force myself to get my heart rate up and do all this stuff. And if I'm gonna lift weights, it's gonna be muscle soreness and all these other things. And then I gotta come back and take a shower and get changed and all this other stuff. You know, it's you know it's just so much easier. So now, neuroassociation to pleasure. It's so much easier and more comfortable to lay my head on this pillow, stay under this nice warm blanket, and then when I do have to pull myself out of this comfortable bed, I go straight in and get ready for work. There is no all of that other painful stuff. I just put on my nice work work clothes and go and get my work done. That seems so. This is what we call neuroassociations. It's what you associate pain to and what you associate pleasure to. Now, I made a commitment, a decision back in November 2014. I said, I'm going to work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. And I said to my community, well, number one, I made this announcement to the entire world. I said, I, I, I put it everywhere on all social media, all my podcasts. I mean, hundreds of thousands of the pe- uh, people around the world. I told all of my closest friends. I told my family. I told everyone. And there are some of them are like, they're, you know, the, everybody, at, at, if, once you read a cer- reach a certain level, you have your haters out there and the people who love to see you fail and all that other stuff because it makes them feel better about themselves. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that, you know, I, it's like, yeah, Cliff, we've heard this before. We'll see how long this lasts. And I'm like, yeah, you watch. So now all of a sudden, what this is what you do. You work with the motivating forces of pain and pleasure. So The whole idea is to sit down and create a long list of pain that you will experience by not going to the gym and the pleasure that you will experience by going to the gym. Conversely, how much pain will I experience if I lay in this bed and hit the snooze button? And how much pleasure I will get if I jump out of this bed right now and never even turn the snooze feature on on my alarm. Now, uh, here's, here's the phrases. What, let's see, it's what immediate, uh, massive, it's what massive, immediate, unbearable pain will you experience by not going to the gym? Let's just use this for example. What is the massive, immediate, unbearable pain to the thought of, just the thought of not going to the gym this morning? Well, here's what happened for me. Number one, 
if I don't if I don't go to the gym today, or if I don't go to the gym this morning, first thing, well, this is what I told people I was gonna do. Now I'm out of integrity. I might lose my credibility in the eyes of my community. Those people who are waiting for me to fail, I'm gonna show prove to them they're right. I don't want the pain of proving to them that, that they're right. I've, I've got people that I've inspired. You know, the people who've been following me for the last three or four months, they're like, oh my gosh, Cliff, I thought you were crazy, but now you've got me motivated. And you've, I, you know, ever since this, I'm, I'm now going to the gym every day because of you and your social media posts. And it's like, so I don't wanna lose the, if I don't go to the gym today, if I don't live up to my six days a week, every week for the rest of my life, then I lose that inspiration. I, I'm not motivating people. And, and it's like, it's like, so the thought of not going there to the gym is just too painful. Now, what is the, now the second question is what is the massive immediate pleasure that I will attain right now if I go to the gym and get this workout done? Here's the massive immediate pleasure. Number one, I get the pleasure of knowing instantly that I had the self-discipline to get my butt out of bed right when I set my alarm or even before my alarm went off and no snooze button was ever necessary. That's a badge of honor for me. And even if nobody else in the world knows about it, I know that I feel great about myself because I am that guy. I have that much self-discipline. So I get that pleasure. Then. On the drive to the gym, that's a 20-minute drive on the way to the gym. And I get to listen to Tony Robbins or some other personal development material that just exercises my mind and expands my beliefs about what's possible and helps me uncover limiting beliefs that are holding me back and keeping me from being as effective in all areas of my life. And I get to listen to that on the way to the gym. And then I go to the gym. And when I sit down, I, I actually take my iPad or my iPhone in and I can watch YouTube videos or other things that are entertaining while I'm working out. My heart rate's up. Because my heart rate is up, I read this book called Younger Next Year. And I learned that if I get to a minimum of 65% of my maximum heart rate for 20 minutes or more, then I change the chemical makeup of the cytokines in my blood, which actually improves my immune system that makes me healthier. Not only that, I get endorphins, dopamine, adrenaline. I literally have a cocktail of natural high. By the time I leave the gym, I feel like I could conquer the world. I'm in my peak state. And when I'm in my peak state, I have the best value, the best passion. I bring everything that I have to the table. And I'm my best when I serve my clients. Wow. That's media pleasure. And so I could go on and on. And so now think about this. Because I have just rewired the neuro associations of pain and pleasure, now the thought of staying in that bed with my head on the pillow, cowering underneath the ceiling fan chill in the room under my cozy blankets, the thought of staying there and hitting a snooze button, what loser does that? That's too painful of an idea for me now because I've rewired all of that. See, I was I was motivated to avoid what I thought was pain and pleasure before. I just changed what I think about pain and pleasure these days. But you also did something very practical, like choosing to listen to something that you like in the car and and then think about that as a as a as a pleasure thing. I think you mentioned you also uh, on the pain side you post. Uh, every time I, I've seen you, I see you in my stories all the time <laughs> that, that you are really exercising every day. Uh, and then you post this if, every time when you finish your exercise, all sweaty and all things. And, but people will react if that image is not there or that uh, small video is not there whenever you finish your exercise, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I did that for, I, gosh, I did that nonstop for like two and a half years. And then I, I kind of, I, at one point, I took a break from social media for an entire month. And then I really loved the, you know, that month of no social media. And then I expanded it for another three more weeks after that. I've still not gotten, I, recently, I've been posting a little bit more about some of my physical activity, but it's not been daily posting. I still work out daily. But I haven't been posting daily. But I, yeah, I think, matter of fact, not, because of this conversation, maybe I'll just make a commitment. It, th- those social, those Instagram <laughs> stories need to start flying out every day at the gym. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I like that 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 it's a combination of uh, thinking differently about what uh, the journey you're about to embark on. This is like my goal. This is what I want to do, and and then I uh, uh, become more aware of my thoughts pat- thought patterns uh, and change my thinking, but also implement some more practical things like bringing the iPad, for example, uh, so that you uh, are easier, more easily able to experience that pleasure side of it. Yeah, you have, that's exactly it. You must be intentional about exactly, you, and you have to think about this and you have to associate it in your mind that this is true. This isn't make-believe. I will gain pleasure by listening to this material on the way to and from the gym. I will gain pleasure by watching this. I will gain pleasure by the dopamine and endorphins. I will gain pleasure by taking a post-workout selfie and receiving feedback from others that says, thank you for the inspiration. I will, I will achieve, I will get pleasure by doing these. And then all of the things that are the list of pleasure that if I don't do that, the pain is that I won't get all of those things. I won't get my Tony time. I won't get that entertainment while I'm working out. I won't get the. I won't get to inspire people with my post sweaty fat face workout selfie at the time and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, I want all of that. This is the life that I want. This is what I want. And so it's just create. It's just changing those neuro associations, and it's a very intentional act. I encourage people. It's like. Take, take those two questions. What massive, immediate, unbearable pain can I associate to the opposite, you know, to not doing what it is that I want to do? And what immediate, um, what massive, immediate pleasure can I attain from doing what it is I say I'm going to do right now, like doing it right now and just go and create an exercise and write down bullet points under each of those questions, all of the pain you will, you will avoid and all the pleasure you will gain. And if it's true, if it's real, you'll find that your motivation will, your motive, you had never lacked motivation. It was just a lack of resourcefulness. You were just, you were motivated for other things. And you can say, if you cannot make that list and you don't, and you cannot get to a like positive outcome of, of that exercise, then you got to ask yourself, why do I want to do this? <laughs> yes. Well, that, yes, that goes all the way back down to before. Well, you know, is, is this the right goal for me? It, yes. Do I want this because somebody else thinks that I should have it? It's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, I really want, I really want to get this degree so I can graduate and get this job, you know, whatever this job is. And it's like, well, is that because you've always wanted to be that occupation or is that because everybody in your family tells you that this is the occupation that means success in your life and so there's a lot of things where you have to figure out like yeah I, I really can't I really don't see any pain that I could avoid by by going and doing this I, I really don't see any pleasure I could get by doing this and and then the question is well, why do you want to do this you know and by the way I didn't I didn't talk about all the you know the chest pain that you can avoid and, and maybe having your feet cut off at your ankles or your knees because of neuropathy and sugar diabetes. I, I didn't go into all of that stuff, but uh, that I, I could, I, I have, there's a lot of things that get me into the gym every day and excited about it. Yeah. I, I love this, Cliffy. I think it's going to be very helpful to a lot of people. So if people are not happy in their lives or their life in their business right now. So what are your top three tips for them? Yes. Top three tips. Ah, first tip. Remember this three very inspiring words. Your uh, actually four inspiring words. You're going to die. You're going to die. Remember that. Don't ever forget the fact that you are going to die. I don't know if you've got another 50, 60, 70, 80 years left in you, or if you have another 50, 60, 70 days left in you, or 50, 60, 70 minutes left in your life. But one way or the other, any one of those combinations of what I just said, somewhere in between, you're going to die. Never lose sight of that and let that be a motivating force for you to make sure that the life that you live is worth living and it's the life you've chosen for yourself. 
That's number one. Number two, have the, actually number two and three are going to be combined. And I, do we have time that I can tell you a little story? Yes, we have. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you this story because it's powerful when, when I get the, uh, so it's the centurion. So centurion, if I can, yeah, the rabbi and the centurion. Okay. Listen to this. A rabbi was walking along the road after a long day in the synagogue. As he drowsily made his way home, he took a wrong turn and stumbled upon a Roman outpost. A loud voice sprang forth from the Roman centurion standing guard outside its door. With great authority, the centurion inquired, Who are you and why are you here? Snapped out of his half-conscious daze, the rabbi responded, My child, what did you just say to me? The centurion furrowed his brow, planted his feet, and responded in an even more stern tone, Who are you and why are you here? The rabbi replied with a question, Good sir, what are they paying you to stand here? The centurion, displaying equal levels of annoyance and intrigue, thundered back, four drachma per day. What is it to you? With a smile on his face, the rabbi answered him, I will pay you double if you would simply stand outside my tent and ask me those same two questions every morning as I depart. Who are you and why are you here? Those two questions plague our existence as we search for our God-given purpose in this world. People literally spend their entire lives searching for the answers to these two questions. Not only will you have to answer these questions to yourself, you'll have to answer them to everyone you meet as well. Whether it's a potential employer, a new coworker, or a random stranger at a conference, you're going to find yourself telling a story that centers around the two, those two critical components of your life. Who are you and why are you here? And so what I would recommend as the number one, remember, you are going to die. Never forget that. Live a life worthy of the time you have on this earth. That's number one. Number two, how do you do that? Get the answer to the question, who am I? And then also get the answer to the question of why am I here? And if you don't know the answers to those questions, I recommend that you use those as a journal prompt every day for the next 30 days. The only thing that I would say is that those are your only two journal prompts. Who am I? Write whatever comes to your heart. And then why am I here? Write whatever comes to your heart. But when you do this the second day and the third day and the fourth day, never go back and look at what you wrote previously. Always allow yourself to come up with a new way of saying it or a completely different thing altogether as new insights come to you as you experience life. So those are my recommendations. That's, that's what I would say. Never forget that you're gonna die. Live a life worthy of the time that you have. And how do you do that? By getting clear on who you are and why you're here. So you inspire me to think there's a fourth. And then after the 30 days, you ask yourself, what do I want? Absolutely. <laughs> so you can set a proper goal for your life, uh, for whatever you want to do in the well, in that week or year or however. Yeah. So why do most people fail at their goals or why do they fail to set goals? Because they don't know what they want. And the reason why they don't know what they want is because they don't know who they are or why they're here. Most people, like I said, are setting goals that are not their goals. They don't, matter of fact, they have adopted an identity that's been given to them, that's been beaten into them, conditioned in them. School teachers, preachers, teacher, uh, parents, all, I mean, peers, social media, uh, mass media, everybody else has an idea of who you are and how you should be and all this other stuff and all these expectations. Very few people consciously choose their own identity in this world. I think you're absolutely right. Definitely. Also, our 95% of our thoughts are subconscious and we make decisions with uh, not, not very conscious decisions quite often, right? 
Well, our, that's exactly right. We go on autopilot. Matter of fact, I learned this. I started studying hypnotism a couple of years ago just as a little side passion. And what I learned is that actually most people are in a hypnotic trance mo- most of their day. A majority of their day is in, a, in, in hip, a hypnotic trance. And the reason that I can prove this is the number of times when you've been driving to and from work or to and from the gym and all this stuff. And I can't begin to tell you the number of times I pull into my driveway and I have absolutely no conscious remember, memory of actually making any turns. Not once do I remember actually hitting my turn signal. Not once do I remember uh, hitting my brake or my gas pedal. Not once do I remember, you know, switching lanes or making turns. It's like, but yet I just drove 20 minutes from the gym and home. How did I get here? I mean, I, I remember listening to Tony Robbins and I remember what Tony was saying, but as far as this driving thing, I don't... My body is so used to knowing this route and this, all of this stimuli and all this input, it's making all of those decisions for me subconsciously based upon prior programming code of what to do in that situation. And unfortunately, we live our life most of the time in a hypnotic trance. We are not focused on being completely consciously aware in the moment. We are in a hypnotic rhythm. Thank you so much, Cliff. I am sure this is going to give the listeners and me too a lot to think about. So thank you for being here on the show today. And then I hope that sometime soon we will be able to meet in person again. (laughs) Oh, gosh, we have to see each other at Social Media Marketing World 2022. How's that? I have my ticket, so I would definitely go. (laughs) I I will be there. Yes, I'm sure you will. (laughs) So thank you. Love to have you here. I will see you soon. It sounds great. Thank you so much, Melanie. It's been an honor. Yeah, thank you. Wow, this was so insightful. If you have enjoyed this episode, you should go listen to Cliff on his podcast, The Cliff Ravenscraft Show, or follow him on Clubhouse, where he is currently very active and going live coaching with people in the audience. And if you love this podcast, Please help me reach all the people who need to hear this. You can do that by rating and reviewing the show and also subscribe to the podcast and you will never miss an episode. Thank you for joining me today. I truly appreciate you. Bye for now.